0: Amen. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? The one who conquers giants, the one who can shut the mouth of a lion, the one who can handle any king coming against you, he's the one who's alive in you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Would you pray this prayer with me? A little bit different this morning. Pray it out loud with me. I'll say it. You repeat it. God, help Brady to bring the word. Help me to receive it. Help all of us to do it. Amen. We all just broke the rules. We had our eyes open. Don't tell my Sunday school teacher, Mrs. James. She'll be disappointed that I had my eyes open in prayer. Take your Bible and turn with me, not to John 3, that's where I was a minute ago, to Acts chapter 6. We'll be there in just a minute. Acts chapter 6. We've been walking through the book of Acts together, and in the first six chapters we've seen that as the apostles waited on God, they received the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit came on them, and they were able to do miraculous and wonderful things, but we're beginning to see a shift now because this Holy Spirit is giving them the power to take this gospel message about Jesus Christ out to everybody around them. We're going to witness this morning what the early church is starting to do with this good news message about Jesus Christ. I want us to start this morning a little bit backwards, I guess. So I want to start with the end, okay? So this is the conclusion and we'll get to everything else later. I am convinced that many Christians Quit before they get the greatest blessing So there's your conclusion. I guess we're ready to go home, but it doesn't make sense with anything else We're going to get to that But I want you to know what is weaving together through all of this passage of scripture We look at this morning is the fact that many many christians quit before they receive the greatest blessing now I want us to Look together at some things that will set up this passage of scripture for us this word gospel The original language word for this is literally meaning good news or good message. It's used 76 times in the New Testament and just about every one of those times it's referring to this plan of salvation or this path that Jesus gives to us that we looked at in John 3.16. It's understanding that there's no way to God except through Jesus Christ and His death on the cross and the salvation that it extends to all those who believe and trust on Him with their life. Mark 1, 5 puts it this way, repent and believe the good news. The gospel is so important to us. In fact, it's the purpose for living. Paul tells us in Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul says about himself that he is set apart, his purpose is to be set apart for the gospel of God. There's going to be some interesting things that we're going to discover today. Saul, who was, or excuse me, yeah, Saul, who became Paul, tells us his purposes for the gospel. It doesn't look this way this morning or next week as we look at his life. We begin to see that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, your life is supposed to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are to be committed to the gospel. You want more of the gospel in you, and you want to get the gospel in everybody around you. 2 Timothy 1.14 says, Guard the good deposit. What is that? The good message, the good news. Guard the gospel that was entrusted to you. Guard it. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. 2 Corinthians 4.7 says, But we have this treasure. What is the treasure? It is the gospel message. It's the good news. We have this treasure in jars of clay. So that this all-surpassing power is known to everybody that it's from God, it's not from us. In other words, this great message, it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. It's not about the the avenue in which this news comes, it's about the good news itself. It is what they treasured. And that's why this morning I have a, a treasure box here. I don't know how long I'll have it up front, maybe just this morning, maybe for a couple of weeks. But every time you see this treasure box, I want you to think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. For the early church, this is what they treasured. This is what was of great value. This is what they would ultimately give their life for. It is this valuable treasure of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel message. We're going to be talking about the gospel and, and what that means and, and, and why the early church would go to such great lengths to get this gospel message out. In fact, the very purpose for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for this gospel message, this good news of Jesus, to get into them and to spread to everybody around them. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be something that if, if you were to be able to take, take this treasure, this, this gospel message and... And open it in a way that you could get it into somebody. Now what we're going to talk about this morning is not just a bunch of history. It's not just for some elite group of people somewhere. It's for every single Christian. And I believe that it can have direct implications on what you do this afternoon. And for sure what you do tomorrow. As we look together at Acts chapter 6 verse 8. As you put your finger there. I want to give you a warning this morning. We're going to go through 70 some verses together. So that means I can't read all of them to you. And that means that I'm not going to be able to preach on every single point of every verse. And some of you would say amen. That's okay. But I want to remind you in this series that we start together on Sunday morning. But the challenge I'm extending to you is to take time this week and to read over this passage of Scripture. And there's some devotional helps there for you this week in your outline. And it's suggesting maybe even a little bit different approach to how to ask yourself questions of the text this week. So take some time to do that. But before we dive into the scripture, let me tell you the the themes that we're going to see. We're going to see Stephen, he's introduced, the beginning of his ministry, we're going to see his ministry. Then we're going to see a sermon that Stephen preaches, and then we're going to see the end of Stephen's ministry. Okay, that's what's in this chunk of scripture. That's what we're about to look at together. And as we see right in the middle of this, these three-part theme, is this sermon that Stephen preaches. It's 51 verses long. It's the longest sermon in the book of Acts. Most of the sermons in the book of Acts are about 10 verses. Some of you say, Pastor Brady, when are you going to preach a sermon that's only 10 verses long? (laughs) Never is the answer, never. I need to remind you that this is a summary of the sermon that was preached, okay? So it wasn't just like 10 verses. But this summary of Stephen's sermon is 51 verses long. It's, It's a hefty sermon, and we're going to look at some of those bits and pieces together. But before we do... I think for us to get out of the text, what I believe is in the text, we need to understand, we need to see a pattern that is in Acts 6-8, through but it's not just in that portion of Scripture. It's all throughout the Bible. I want us to see a pattern that's not just in the Bible, though it's all throughout the Bible, it's all throughout church history. I want us to see a pattern that's not just an ancient pattern, it's a pattern that's happening right now now in the church of jesus christ all across the globe it's happening right now in this room it's a very important pattern that i want us to catch and we're going to see how this fits with god's word together so super fast here's the first part of this pattern one god calls people that's the first part he calls people in fact, the church is referred to as the ecclesia. Ecclesia equals the church. That's what the church is. But what does ecclesia mean? Ecclesia means the called out ones. So to be the church, we are the ones who are called out. God, every single follower of God, every single follower of Jesus is called by God. He will call you out. The church means the called out ones. Now, every believer who is called by God, you will experience the call of God in three key ways. First, God will call every believer, not just Stephen, not just the apostles, not just pastors, not just people who've been saints walking for God with God for a long time. Every Christian, he will call you in these three ways. One, he will call you to know Jesus Christ. He will call you to know Jesus Christ personally. Second, He will call you to follow Jesus Christ. And third, He will call you to serve Jesus Christ. When God calls every believer, He calls them, and this way there will be a call to to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to serve Jesus. And the way we experience it, we may talk about it as the call of faith, or the call to intimacy, or... Then the call to involvement, but it is the same thing to to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus. Theologically, we, we study and we talk about these calls as the call to salvation or the call to sanctification and the call to build the kingdom or the call to missions. It's this knowing Jesus, it's this following Jesus and serving Jesus. Every single person in this room, let me just check. If you love Jesus, now you don't have to vote, okay? But if you love Jesus, raise your hand. If you don't, you can keep your hand. If you love Jesus, raise your hand. Okay, that's you. You are called by God, called to know Jesus, called to follow Jesus, and called to serve Jesus. But this pattern has a second part. Here's the second part. If you obey the call that God gives, you may not obey, but if you obey the call that God gives, it will bring blessing into your life. Not sometimes, not for some people, all the time. So if you obey God's call to know Jesus as your personal Savior, every single time that someone comes to Jesus and knows Him as their personal Savior by confessing their sins and turning from them and letting Him be Lord of their life, you receive the blessing of forgiveness of sin. You receive the blessing of salvation. You receive the blessing of eternal life with Jesus that is here and now and in the future to come. You receive blessing. In every aspect of answering that call. When you answer the call and you you obey Jesus by following Him, there's blessing. When you obey Jesus by serving Him, there's blessing every single time. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you will get blessed. Tell them. Oh, that was pathetic. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let me just ask all of us. Okay, so when you obey Jesus, what happens? You get what? You get blessed. You got it. Okay, so the pattern is simple. God calls every Christian. He calls His people. And then when we see that He calls us, if we obey, there is a blessing that comes. Now, if we don't obey, something else happens. If you're living in disobedience to one of those calls, you miss out on the blessing. You miss a blessing. Some of us have been obedient to the call to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but we've been hesitant to obey in following Him. In actions of obedience some of us have followed jesus, but we're hesitant to to serve and give up our life as As a servant for him and we miss blessings So if we answer the call we receive blessing if we obey if we don't obey we miss out on the blessing Here's the third part of the pattern After god calls and we have a chance to obey and if we obey there's a blessing the third part blessing brings Persecution It brings persecution God calls you if you obey there's a blessing and, and wait for it after the blessing there is persecution Now we may not experience persecution like we read about in scripture We may not experience persecution like other brothers and sisters around the globe or experience it in the way that they are We may not have that but you will experience some form of persecution If you are radically obedient to jesus, there will be someone in your life who says oh I like the old you better I mean, this new you is, it's, it's annoying me. I mean, the old you, she, she used to kind of get it and understand things, but now you're just Jesus this, Jesus that, morality this, morality that. You won't stop talking. You're just annoying me. Just blah. I mean, you will experience somebody in your life who will have opposition to what it is that you are doing in obedience. And some of us experience this in, in the home. Maybe it's from a spouse or a parent. Others will experience this at work or at school from the world, people who don't accept Jesus, but some of us will experience it from the church, from people who, who claim they know God, but they're like, would you just chill out a little bit? You're like just over the top too much. I mean, I, I love Jesus and everything, and I'm a Christian and everything, but I'm just not an obnoxious one like you. And we're going to talk about being obnoxious in a little bit, but, but uh, no, persecution will come. That's what happens. That's the pattern. God calls... We either obey or disobey. There's a blessing for obedience, and then there is persecution. Now, if you can see that pattern, we're ready to dive into Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 8. Look at it with me. Scripture says, Now Stephen, who is Stephen? Well, remember, uh, a couple weeks ago, we saw Stephen in chapter 6. Remember that the disciples, the apostles, were being criticized because they were not feeding the widows. This is a bad thing. Everybody was getting upset. And they said, well, we can't neglect uh, the ministry of the Word and and preaching and and praying, so let's choose 7. Remember that? It's in your Bible. If you don't remember, look at it. It's right there in 6. Let's choose 7. Who was the first round draft pick? First one they pick. Anybody? Stephen. So Stephen was chosen to help feed the widows, chosen to be a part of the ministry. God calls Stephen. He, he's appointed and God uses the, the apostles to help do this and, and He is given this call to serve. And Stephen obeys. Let's look a little bit more about Stephen. Verse 8, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power. Now in verse 5 it says that When they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, they they chose somebody who was following hard and fast after God. When you're full of faith in the Holy Spirit, it will produce the grace and the power of God in your life. But read on in verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. One of the few men who was not listed as an apostle To perform miraculous signs and wonders. He had blessings from God. God used him and there was blessing on his life. Blessing for the purpose of God's message getting out. Let's read on. Verse 9. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue. Let's skip on down to the end of verse 9. Who began to argue with Stephen. Verse 10. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. We see this pattern, God called Stephen, Stephen obeyed, God blessed Stephen, there was fruit in his ministry, in his life, and then we begin to see there's opposition, people standing up against him, they can't argue with him because God's giving him wisdom, let's read on in verse 11, see what happens, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, don't you love it when people secretly persuade people to talk about you, nothing good happens when someone secretly persuades someone to say something, if you are secretly persuaded just stop it, don't do that. Nothing good comes from secret persuasion. The whisper conversations are silly. You know, try whispering blessings instead of potential curses to people to help. But anyhow, this is what it is. Verse 11. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, what did they persuade them to say? Hey guys, say this. We have heard Stephen speak of blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Did Stephen speak against Moses or God? No. These are lies. These are accusations that are false. Look at verse 12. So they stirred up the people. Friends, do you have anybody in your life who stirs things up? Come on, don't point at them. Don't point at them if they're here. That'd be bad. But I mean, some of the face is before you right now. Someone who stirs it up. They love to stir it up. Just stir it up. Make it bad. That's what's happening. He's been he's been called by God. He's been obedient. There's been blessing on his life, and what is happening? There's opposition. People are lying about him. They're stirring things up. Verse 12, and the elders and the teachers of the law, they seize Stephen. Now, it ceases to be funny. This is not just talking about it. They seize him, they take him, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses to testify. This fellow never stops speaking against the holy place, against the law. Verse 14, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses handed down to us. <laughs> I love this. So here we see that they're they're talking about Stephen sharing what Jesus said when Jesus said that the, the temple will be destroyed and be rebuilt in three days. Okay, They're twisting what he said, and they missed the whole point of Jesus. Therefore... They miss the whole point of Stephen and they say, they're threatening our church. They're threatening our customs. They're threatening our way of life. They're making us not comfortable anymore. And, And they are not happy. Look at verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, this is the religious leaders who are hacked off at him. Look what it says. They looked intently at Stephen. Some of your translations say, they gazed. At Stephen. Now, I need you to know, Ash, it's not like this. It's not, oh, they looked at him. It's oh, not it. It was daggers. I'm not very good at doing a dagger face. But it, it's they, they had daggers. There was an intensity. There was hatred pouring out of their eyes. They, they were glaring daggers at him, intently staring at him. And then look at the rest of verse 15. I love this part. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Here he was so full of the things of the Lord that oozing out of his very appearance was the appearance of an angel. You see the pattern? You see the pattern there. God calls. We have an opportunity to obey. He obeys. God brings blessing. After blessing comes persecution. That's the way it happens. How many say, I I see the pattern? How many don't see the pattern? You want me to keep preaching that part? How many just want to hurry up and just go? Okay, that's good. Well, that, that's, what, that's what it is. That's what's taking place in that passage of Scripture. Now, look at chapter 7 with me. I'm not going to read this part to you. This is where your study this week is going to need to come in. But let me summarize quickly what happens in chapter 7. The high priest says, So, so Stephen... Let's look at all these charges against you and see which ones are true Now if you don't see sarcasm in scripture, it's all over the place here He's not like really hunting for the truth. He's emphasizing. Look at all these charges Let's see how true they are about you. Why don't you answer for yourself? And so stephen jumps into his sermon after these accusations and he says, okay So you want to know what's going on here? You really want to know what's true? And then he begins to give them a sermon with three points. The first one, Abraham. The second one, Joseph. The third one, Moses. And we go, okay, good. Sounds like a good sermon. Got three good stories in there. Abraham, Joseph, Moses. It's awesome. Lots of fun things about those guys. but, But we don't miss it. These are the experts in Abraham. The experts in Joseph. The experts in Moses. And, and, and Stephen doesn't tell them all the things about these three guys. He just shows what is in common with the three. And here's what the sermon does. In verse 2, he starts talking about Abraham. And, and you can see the call there. You look at that. You look for this pattern as you read it this week. And then they begin to see that God blessed Abraham. And then God said, hey, you're going to be rejected. And there's going to be persecution. And that's what happens. And God is faithful to his promise. And then he scoots over to Joseph. And he doesn't tell all the story of Joseph because he knows how well they know it. But as you remember Joseph, there's a call by God. God selects him. He has favor with his dad. His dad loves him. He gets the coat of many colors. There's blessing on his life. He's given visions and dreams by God. And his brothers are so jealous, remember? They want to get rid of him. And then he's, he's accused of lies that are not true at Potiphar's house. He's thrown into prison, remember this? And, and he's forgotten. He's persecuted, and yet we see he begins to look like Jesus, and there's many, many references and, and understandings of who Jesus is through Joseph's life. And then he, like, to drive it home, he says, now let me tell you about Moses. This is their favorite guy. This is like the brand of what's on their robe. You may have polo, or you may have, like, Tommy Hilfiger, whatever. This is like Moses' brand robe. They lived and breathed Moses. What do you mean, you're going to teach me about Moses. You are the blasphemer speaking against God and Moses. Now you're going to tell me about Moses? And then he shows them this pattern. God calls Moses. Moses obeys even reluctantly. Moses is rejected by Pharaoh. There's persecution. And then he goes on and, and he is the symbol to God's people of what it means to be like Christ that we see later on. This is the sermon. So, Brady, what you're saying is that we're given an opportunity to obey. If we obey, we're blessed. Then blessing comes persecution. Ugh. God calls us. If we don't obey, then we suffer. So there's two choices. Suffer or be persecuted. Ugh. No, no, no. Remember what I told you when we started all this mess? Remember? Most Christians quit before they get to the greatest blessing. Blessing. And so this pattern that we're seeing in the early church of what they're doing with the gospel, what they're doing with the good news about Jesus, is bringing out this pattern, is true in your life. Hear me, friend. This is not for somebody else. It's for you. Well, I, I, I'm not Peter. I'm not one of the apostles. Stephen, he was chosen to do the, the hands and feet work this pattern applied to him this isn't just for pastors this isn't just for certain people it's all throughout scripture you'll find it through church history you'll find it through the the church of christ across the world today you'll find it in this room people who can testify to what god is doing in their life he will call you to know jesus he will call you to follow jesus he will call you to serve jesus and if you obey there will be a blessing and after the blessing expect persecution well let's see what happens at the end of this let's see how they respond I need to turn a page here. Look at verse fifty-one. He so eloquently ends his sermon who, with this nice appeal that will get him a call back for sure. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You you do not want to say that to this, like, Moses-branded, robe-wearing, professional Christian people. This is a huge insult. They don't want to hear this because they, they pride themselves on being the people who follow every letter of the law. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? So he's saying, these accusations you have against me, let me just show you. I'm in good company. <laughs> Abraham, Joseph, Moses, me. Do what you will. Know that Jesus is the Son of God. He goes right back to the treasure, opens it up, gives it to him again. And then let's look at their response. They were thrilled by this response. Verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin, that's the religious crowd who was all hit, hacked off at him, Heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at them. Anybody had someone gnash their teeth at you this week? Anybody? I have not. I've been trying to think about what that looks like. How you gnash your teeth? It doesn't sound good. I don't think I want someone to gnash their teeth at me. They—they are—they're they angry, gnashing their teeth at him. They—they they didn't just oh, disagree. That's fine for you, but not for... They were angry. They were so angry. But look at verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. God gave him this precious blessing. In the midst of the persecution, another blessing came. This wasn't just like some dream of an idea, we get the picture that he actually saw Jesus at the right hand of God. Very few people in Scripture see Jesus in heaven like this. He's blessed with this and it makes them even more mad. This Jesus you're talking about, you're saying he's standing next to God, we're going to kill you. And they take him out and they're going to stone him. That's the message that God gives to us today. You see, many of us quit before we get. To the blessing. As we begin to read on, some greater blessing happens in Stephen. Look at verse 59. While they were stoning him. Not like before, not like when he thought it would happen. While they were stoning him. While he was there and rocks were pounding his skull. As the pain was throbbing through every inch of his body. As the injustice was was just surfacing. And he knew these were lies as he was being stoned, look at what he says. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Who does that sound like? Who Who does it sound like? Jesus. Jesus. The greater blessing that comes after the persecution, God calls, either we obey or we don't. There's a blessing if we obey. There's persecution. But the greater blessing always after persecution is we are made more like Jesus. He begins to look like Jesus. He begins to talk like Jesus. He begins to respond like Jesus. This morning, as I promised, I believe this has direct implications for us today. The first implication I want us to look at is, I don't think it's, for very many people here, maybe no one here, but there may be someone here that is not living for God. You are running from God. You are the one persecuting the, the move of God. And it's important to know that for those who are persecuting, know that God stands against you and he stands with those who are being persecuted. In other words, you are resisting God and you will not win. And be careful the one who is so audacious to really, 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 really push against the things of God, you are closer than you think to surrendering your life to God. We're going to begin to see this happen in Saul's life over the next couple weeks, and we're going to be able to see how God is, is going to get him ready to not murder Christians, but to be a leader of his church. There's a nugget of hope here for someone who's praying for a family member. They are running so hard against the things of God. My greater concern is when a brother or sister becomes so apathetic and, and indifferent to the things of God. They're wishy-washy. This is a very dangerous place. But when we find someone who is running against the things of God, a Damascus Road experience, an, an eye-opening experience with God is about to happen. And no, if you find yourself there, friend, you're no match for God. You're about ready to crumble and give in to what He has. But for most of us here, the implication of what about those who are being persecuted? Well, first... Make sure that persecution is for the gospel, not for stupid stuff. Okay? I'm fearful in preaching a message like this that we begin to think, you know what? God's going to call me. I'm going to obey. He's going to bless me. And people aren't going to like me. And that's persecution. Well, you may have some persecution, but but it may be some other stuff. Let's not confuse it. I'm not talking about personality conflicts, okay? There may be somebody who doesn't like you because you have a personality clash with them. That's like just natural human relation type things, and that's a whole other message. But don't call that persecution for the gospel. Why? Because it's not about you being oppressed because you're giving them Jesus. They don't like your personality. I, I like your personality. I'm just telling you what it is. Don't confuse it with persecution for the gospel. The second thing we can confuse it for is don't confuse this for integrity conflict. Because of some sinful decision you've made or some kind of air and moral judgment they're calling you out and and they they list you as a hypocrite friend if this is what's happened in your life this is just the consequence of of disobedience there's grace but this isn't persecution this is the effects of of a missing piece of integrity but but don't misunderstand this this third one and some of this will be tough to swallow for some it's not your rights conflict your christian rights let me illustrate this for you. I, I'm, it, it's not being persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ because somebody says, well, you can't put that Christian fish symbol on your cubicle at work. Okay? It, it's not like this persecution because you want to keep your Bible on your desk at work and they said you can't have that Bible on your desk. Now, I know some of you are looking at me like, I, I liked everything you said. Now, now, I'm mad. Now, I'm mad. I don't like this. This is not right. Well, let me help you understand this, okay? We should have some rights. And as Christians, we should stand up for rights. I'm not saying we shouldn't stand up for rights. This is a good thing. But friend, if if this is some kind of persecution that's not because of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, it's very specific... I could want to have a Christian fish symbol on my, on my business card because maybe it will get me better business. Or I could have a Bible on my desk because I want to be in a political group of people who seem to be good businessmen. But if it's not about me giving you Jesus Christ, me personally taking in Jesus when you to see it, this is not persecution for the gospel. It's some conflict over your rights. Now hear me, friend. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about that. There's a place to be concerned. But but this isn't counted all joy for the trials and tribulations that Paul talks about. This is other stuff. Where is the persecution for what you have done with the gospel? Now, now. If you're using that symbol of a Christian fish as an entryway to talk about your faith in Jesus, then by all means it's persecution. If you're taking that Bible that's on your desk and you're opening it up at work and you're helping someone find the path to Jesus through there, then by all means it's persecution for the gospel. But don't confuse this with some kind of rights that you feel like you have. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ being rejected by people, not a Christian culture icon that may not be allowed to be displayed anymore. Oh, that's good. I don't care who you are. I like that. Here, here's another thought for us. Implications for those who are persecuted. Don't be surprised when persecution comes. If you're not made aware of this, it can catch you off guard and you can begin to think, I thought once I lived radically obedient to Jesus, he, God would honor me. I've talked to people all the time. Why does, this is so unfair of God? He's called me. I've been obedient. I've honored Him with my life. I've honored Him with my kids. And look at the injustice I face. And I want to say, welcome to the people of the Bible. Welcome to the body of believers. Oh, this God is so, so rude and harmful. No, no, no. Don't quit before you get the greater blessing. God uses the persecution to bring out the things of Jesus Christ in us. And Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged when persecution comes. Take heart there's more blessing. I guess I, I want to end with, with this thought. I started with it. If you're not careful, you can quit spiritually before the greater blessing comes. Here's what I think happens. We, uh, we hear God's call. And we want to respond to this salvation call. God wants to save me or save you from our sin. Right? God, would you save me of my sin? Then would you make me like Jesus? Let's just skip everything else. God, I love you. Thank you for saving me. After he saves you, he says, now, follow me. Some of us today, when we hear this message, here's where we're at. Here's what it looks like. You believe in Jesus with your life on him. Are you following him? Is there anything that's going to happen today and tomorrow that you're making a choice to be obedient to Jesus because of what he's telling you? A disciple continues to follow Jesus. Is that happening? Don't skip those steps. Next, serving. Now, it's good to have a ministry in the church, but I'm not talking about what you do once a week or twice a week or whatever it is. I mean, are you taking on the attitude and the appearance of a servant? where the attitude begins to drain and the humility begins to rise and God can use you to give out this great gospel message. Are you serving? And when that happens, there will be a blessing. Now, we like this. God, thank you for the call. I'm going to obey. Woo, the blessing. Love it. And we should love it. And we talk about this blessing that God gives. But friend, we're so sidetracked when Persecution comes. Now, I think some of us, we run away from persecution. Don't miss the greater blessing. Others, if we're honest, we don't face any persecution. Well, Brady, if, if those stupid conflicts don't count, I don't know if if my personality quirks don't count, if my own lack of integrity at times doesn't count, if if it's just me standing up for my rights does not count, then, Maybe there's an invitation over the next couple of weeks to figure out what God wants you to do with this. You see, when we took communion today, when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, the the gospel message in essence of who Jesus is and what He's done for us should change your life, should change what you say, where you go, what you do. It is the purpose for which you live, Paul says. I'm set apart for the gospel of God. And maybe God wants to do something in us this week and over the next couple of weeks to call us to some radical obedience not just in the things we do and don't do and and all the other things that rhyme with that but maybe it's maybe it's time that i speak for jesus maybe it's time that i take the gospel message seriously heavenly father